Welcome to Barnyard Language. We are Katie and Arlene, an Iowa sheep farmer and an Ontario dairy farmer with six kids, two husbands, and a whole lot of chaos between us. So kick off your boots, reheat your coffee, and join us for some Barnyard Language, honest talk about running farms and raising families. In case your kids haven't already learned all the swears from being in the barn, it might be a good idea to put on some headphones or turn down the volume. While many of our guests are professionals, they aren't your professionals. If you need personalized advice, consult your people. Thank you for joining us here again on the Barnyard Language Podcast. So we're going to start like we usually do, where I ask Katie what's been going on the farm with the kids and how things are in Iowa. What's up, Katie? Arlene, normally we record this on Thursday mornings, and this week we're doing it on Saturday night, which feels a little wild, like... I'm spending my Saturday night with my friends, which is not something that normally happens in my rural life with two little kids, plus the fact that I'm old and lame and I like to stay home. I'll take full responsibility for that. The We've reality a lot is of snow we're both home on a Saturday night and I'm already in my pajamas. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. No, I'm still wearing jeans because I've been dealing with the kids, but yeah, it'll be jammies for me very shortly as well. We've gotten a lot of snow this week, which was... I guess maybe I should start checking the weather forecast and then it wouldn't be so surprising. Other exciting news? Not really anything. We're working on a proposal for some work with the State Historical Society for our barn. And your husband Instagram messaged me to show my husband mm-hmm. something. So I messaged him back and pointed out that my husband is also on Instagram and that they can just go ahead and start their own podcast if they want to <laughs> hang out and they don't need to go through us. Yeah. So there's that. Check. What's happening in your world, Arlene? The teenagers are doing exams. So that means for some people, it's very stressful. And for others, they are very confident and they think that it's no big deal and they will pass without studying. It just means the dynamic in the house is a little shifted. So there's, yeah, slightly different stress level. And quirk of COVID schooling is that my grade 12 has, last time she wrote an exam was in winter of grade nine. So they have canceled exams through COVID, through online school, all that kind of stuff. So she'll be hopefully, going to university in the fall, and this is the only the second time she's ever had to write exams, so that's weird. Which th- made me think of something, Katie. So as Canadians, we watch a lot of US shows. A lot of our media ends up being American. And anything related to high school always talks about the SATs, and I honestly don't even really understand what they are. So can you give me like the quick version of what the SATs are and what they mean? When I was in high school, yeah, I feel real old saying this, they were a placement test for getting into college. It's, it's a, there's the SATs and the ACTs, and there's, I think one of them has an exam portion, but it's a standardized test that students take to prove that they've learned stuff in high school. But they've come under a lot of scrutiny in the last several years, as they should have, for being really quite discriminatory towards families that have enough money for expensive prep classes. I think so, but I think they're fading out. There's also a lot of racial and cultural bias in the tests. So I think a lot of places are stopping using them. But yeah, it's a stereotypical high school thing. So 
Which of your kids is more stressed by the exam thing? Oh, the one who's in grade 12 and the marks actually mean something. So yeah, the one in grade nine is pretty confident that he doesn't need to study for anything. So we're working on that. And then of course they threw in a snow day. So then that means that your exam schedule got bumped by a day. So then that just added to the stress of which exams are happening on which day. And then there were more days to study for some of the exams because it got pushed over the weekend. But sometimes you just want to get those tests out of the way and not have two more days of studying to get ready for them. So that was another whole thing. Yeah. And other than that, uh, yeah, farm stuff goes on as usual. But we will go ahead and move into our interview for this week. All right. I like it. I have to admit, I was a little bummed when I realized that you were not a dentist for goats. I was really excited that Arlene had found us a goat dentist. Yeah, no, actually, I'm wanting to get with an equine dentist, like a horse dentist, and learn how to jump on board. Because you don't have to be, I think, maybe a quick certification, but you don't have to go to school or anything to be a horse dentist. And I thought, Hmm. how fun would that be? To go around and just saw down horse teeth. Oh, yeah, I'm sure that's great. I'm sure the horse will like it. You, just, you pry it open. I watched a lot of YouTube videos, but I think that, that would be a lot Is of Is that fun. what you watch on YouTube? The horse teeth thing? See, I always sit there and watch them, like, cut their hooves and cattle hooves and Good, you pick out that. that pus and stuff. I couldn't do that. There's no way. We just lost Arlene. I'll oh. admit, I, I follow some hoof trimmers on YouTube that's or on Instagram. That's disgusting. I know. You get in there and like, get some nasty. That's like Dr. Pimple Popper for farmers. Yeah, and then you hit something that's like metallic, like a nail or something they stepped on and they pulled out and you're like, oh my Lord. We had that happen to a goat. One of our goats stepped yeah. on a nail and we had to yank it out. It's even scary just, know. sorry, how tiny a pebble they'll pick up and it'll be enough to start a huge old abscess. Yeah. I wish I went to vet school with my life, but... That's near here nor there now. When, as a, when you have livestock, you have a little veterinarian in you. You kind of yep. have to That's be. Like, yeah, <laughs> anyway, you're right. Yeah, first time we had to pull a baby goat, it was like, holy cow. Yeah. That was a nightmare. We uh-huh. didn't know that. Yes. And we were like new into it then. It was a nightmare, but we got her out and saved the mother. And of course, the baby passed, but. Yeah, but, I don't think I've pulled that hard for anything in my life I thought my god I couldn't imagine how people you have cows right yep yeah okay yeah both of us do I'm pulling a goat out I can't imagine pulling a cow out a calf out shoot in some ways yeah sorry I think in some ways cows are easier because you got more room to get your hands in there because we raise yeah. sheep as well, and I've got big old hands. So that's why we had to have kids, so we have somebody with smaller hands to <laughs> pull lambs. Arlene, before we get any further into it, should we actually start the show? Today we're talking to Ariel Mooney-Wood and Ben Wood, who are joining us from West Virginia. So we start each of our interviews with the same question, and this is a way for you to introduce yourself to the listeners. And we ask, what are you growing? So this can cover crops and livestock, families, businesses, and lots of other stuff. Maybe I'll start with Ben. What are you right guys now, growing? I'm growing a lot of weeds. That's about it. And I'll tell you what, I've, Great. I've That's been a good start. the worst year gardening I've ever had in my life. We've Ariel wanted to turn our farm into kind of a sanctuary for deer. That was the worst mistake we ever made. I think I've got about 16 head of deer out there in my meadow every evening. And they found my garden this year and they wiped it completely out. I planted over 100 tomato plants. And I got one tomato. 
That's how bad it was. Yeah, I had electric put, fence oh. on it, and I thought I had it pretty much deer proof, but they proved me wrong. Those things can jump, I swear, 10 feet if they want to. We had blood, sweat, and tears in those oh, tomatoes, too. it was too. crazy. It was crazy. <laughs> so, it was disappointing, but it's not because I'm having a deer sanctuary it was. here. It was it's because we expanded the garden, let's be honest, and our electric fence was bowing at the end more than ever before, so... I blame that, but I don't like him to hunt on our homestead. Homestead, but that's that, if you want vegetables, yeah. you've right. got to make some Yeah. Oh, yeah. We would rather eat deer than goat for sure. But also, we're heading into kidding season, so I'd say that we're growing our herd right about now. We're breeding our buck to our does, and we usually like to expect kidding season around May, June, and we're. Also trying to work with website designers to grow our presence on the internet and social media a little bit because we do want to become more of a business than a hobby. You only have three years to claim yourself as a on taxes as a business before it becomes a hobby or whatnot. I don't know if I said that, but <laughs> we'll get to juice. And you're also growing some oh, non-goat yes. kids, I'm guessing. Three boys, 15, 11, and 10. Oh boy. And how many right goats now we do have 11. Have? We just sold some going into winter. We're a little worried about this winter and we're hoping to have a good kidding season. The price of green. We have um, myotonics. We're a registered myotonic farm, the fainting goats. <laughs> and we have Nigerians and a pig, a couple pygmies. Sorry about that. I ran away a little bit. You fly have away you guys? Too. Yeah. Have you guys found that pygmy goats more densely concentrated evil than bigger goats wow. or pain in the ass than oh, bigger yeah. goats? It seems like they've got about 500 pounds worth of difficult packed into, I don't know, how much does a pygmy goat weigh? Not very much, but no. there are smaller we had, ones. We They're dense packed. When the last one we sold, she was the alpha of the whole herd. And I'm telling you, meaner than a junkyard dog. And nice to us. Nice to us, but she wasn't afraid to use her teeth to bite ears and anything else. She was very vicious. All the other ones pretty much feared her. And the people we sold her to, we warned them. And they're like, I talked to them there the other day, and they're like, boy, you weren't kidding. we got to kind of let hold her back and keep her pinned up separate, feed her separate. Because if we try to feed her with the other one, she said she won't let them eat and stuff like that. And even the billy kind of questions himself a little bit around her. <laughs> Not everybody can appreciate a strong woman. No, we used to have some goats here on our farm and those pygmy goats, you'd find them all over the damn place. And like I had a friend who had pygmy goats and one of her goats managed to get through my car window and eat a bag of peanut butter cookies that was on the front seat. Just I was always just going to build like a 12 foot fence straight down the middle with like chain link with razor wire and gun towers and then not bother the with the perimeter fence at all because I said they'll just spend all day trying to figure out how to get over the big fence they'll never notice that there's no perimeter fence yeah That's yeah the couple we have now they we have trouble with them getting caught in the fence so they'll have to get the stick of shame across the horns but we're really trying to transition into pulled myotonic goats but I really are registered Nigerian. She's a registered milk goat. I want to keep her and try to get back to our original thought with milking more, but that takes time and effort. <laughs> so we'll see how that goes. 
we're wanting to hopefully grow into cattle too as well one of these days we'll be asking you guys questions yeah yeah i told her uh, so i'm looking at it for the beef she's looking at it for friends but friends and food (laughs) friends and food i understand i like burgers i can't you can be yeah. friends until they that seems kind of right? convenient. They have a good life and then yeah. you have other friends and you end a relationship and it's just over, but you have a cow friend and you're not friends anymore and then you can eat them. It's okay to me. Probably explains a lot about my friends. So <laughs> are either of you from farming or ag backgrounds? I am. I grew up here. I'm very, she moved here where we live or in my county where I'm from now and it's so rural. It's I'm telling you, it's probably one of the smallest towns in America, no doubt. But I grew up gardening with my grandfather and stuff like that. And the live the livestock's a little bit new for me. And the bees are and new. The bees. Mm-hmm. I started the beekeeping, and my uncle kind of got me into that a few years back. And he was very old school, and struggled a little bit in my first couple years. But I'm getting better now by watching YouTube videos and stuff, and reading books and all that stuff. But, but I'm coming along a little bit better. Hopefully, we'll find out this spring how well I'm doing actually with your bees yeah for me I was thrown into the farming scene around 10 my my family's from West Virginia but I lived in Colorado until I was about 10 and we moved back to West Virginia and my mom I was I'm in a from a single parent home it's just my mom and I she was running a little farmhouse and they had cattle and pigs and we fed them. We slopped the pigs and we fed the cattle for the people we were renting from. And cows got out. I was helping them get back in. And I'll be honest, I hated everything about it. I was like, I'm getting out of West Virginia as soon as I can. This is crazy. And then you grow up and you see the real world and you get the bigger picture of, wow, this is That's the exactly, life. This is what you need. Exactly how I felt with the gardening situation. I used to hate it, every aspect of it, because I did it year in, year out. And it just and now I'm same kind of situation. You wonder where your food is, what's in it, the chemicals they use, and all this stuff. And so now we're doing it all ourselves. And we know what's there. And we try to do everything without pesticides and stuff like that. And it's great. We love it. Ben likes to, every time we eat potatoes, every time we eat potatoes. Um, I tell the boys, I said, you're not eating those cancer potatoes that you get at the store. (laughs) That's what I tell them every time. Because I remember. They're going to go to someone else's house. Are these cancer potatoes? (laughs) They will. That's good though. I like them to know that. So I know that both of you have off the farm jobs as well. Can you tell us a bit about the jobs that you have away from your from the land and how you're trying to balance those jobs and parenting and the farm and all of the all the things that go into all those different roles? I'm a heavy equipment operator for a local gas company. I tell you, I go to work, I work there, but when I come home, I bust ass. <laughs> That's just part of it. I'll tell you what. I don't mind going to work, but when I know all the real work comes as soon as I walk through that door, especially in the wintertime, it's pure misery at times whenever it's freezing cold outside and you got to go get the tractor and work. And it seems like something always breaks or you just always have problems in the winter. You're busting ice out of feeders and stuff like that. Or it's just, we've really worked this year toward trying to make our winter life a lot more simple with our barns and stuff. We put electricity in them and got heated buckets and some heat lamps and stuff like that. So hopefully that'll help us a lot 
going into this winter and same way with our chicken coop and stuff like that we've got some heaters and stuff like that but i'll tell you what i got some second tired of busting ice last year it was crazy yeah and you all know i'm a general dentist and so i work in a rural clinic it's part of a critical care access hospital i'm actually the only dentist in the county you may have seen that in some of my posts but right now i'm it it's been crazy for me. Luckily, it's a 40-hour week job. I work those 40 hours and then I get to come home. But like Ben said, as soon as we come home, it's another job. But for us, I'd say the balance comes with routine. The boys are at an age where as soon as they get off the bus, they're coming home. They're starting with their chores with the animals. We're coming home. We're picking up the slack with the animals, checking everybody. Um, I always like to kid and go down to the goats and say, all right, butthole checks, make sure everybody, nobody has diarrhea, check their pamacha score, check their eyelids and check on everybody. Make sure the barn is a little bit tidy. We scoop the chicken coop every single evening and then come in, try to get a little bit cleaned up before I go making everybody supper. But one night a week, I work pretty late. And so it's usually our free for all where we're like, all right, tonight's pizza or something quick, or hopefully I've had something in the crock pot, but really the balance, it's not consistent. So you just put, have to put certain things off. And I'm sure you ladies know what I mean. Like the laundry will pile up one week or the house chores are dust and the house chores are piling up because you're outside working so much and then I tell myself that's a winter job and Ben will say oh we'll get to that get that dust in the winter and we'll pick up the slack inside in the winter but it's true it's a balancing act where you put certain priorities above others yeah for sure I can clean the bathroom in the winter it's not going anywhere uh... it'll be good till then yeah exactly I've got three boys too so that (laughs) I know that doesn't really work out all that well has this changed I know like you said the ages they're at now the kids are starting to get helpful but when they were little how did things look then oh we I would they've all been since we started with the livestock anyway they've all been old enough to help because we've only been really raising the livestock since 2015 16 they were smaller and we also had smaller herds the ones have really kicked up a lot compared to the, the oldest was pretty much doing a lot of yeah. stuff with me and that but we like i said we also had a smaller herd at that time right. we started with just a couple and we grew sure. and our chickens we really didn't get big into chickens so about two years ago we had them before then but we got wiped out and we got our livestock guard dog and built a new coop so the chicken chores have really only been implemented the past two and a half years or so. I feel like we're doing good whenever they tell me that they hate doing it because I used to say the same thing when I was growing up. I hate doing the garden. I hate this and that. And now look at me. I'm trying to do the exact same thing again. So as long as we're they're hating it, I feel like they're doing all right because they're probably going to do the same thing later. And if they hate it, it means they're involved enough to have a real feeling right. about it. Arlene, I just realized that we didn't ask what kind of chickens do you have? We've got a mixed match. We've got Americano, Easter Eggers, Black okay. Copper Marans, Salmon Favreau, Salmon Favreau, some white leg bar and then mutts that we haven't really bought barnyard barnyard specials yeah we don't really buy any now we just have been trying to hatch out from here on so Um, how many birds did you start out with how many chickens yeah sorry i think we bought 40 and then we sold some we've had them a couple times and fox has been yeah but i mean the last 
batch i think we got about 40 and we sold some and we're right now i think we're at 21 so that's a good i think that's a good number for us ben's wanting more because we do actually sell our eggs i don't want to say commercially but for businesses we sell our duck eggs and our chicken eggs and we're as you know lay less right now our production for the coffee shop isn't as good as they'd like (laughs) i just like to hear how people's chicken math is going because it seems like our flock is on the downhill trend too but we had who was it started out with six birds and ended up with several thousand i think we've had two guests on now (laughs) like you guys are really kicking that chicken math up a little bit so I guess we have a few dentistry-based questions here too. Get our free uh, free medical care on this. Uh, so what made you want to be a dentist? Did you just dream of sticking your hands in people's mouths? And as a kid, were you just... It says here that it's like the highest stress occupation. Or Arlene actually researched this, but I just want to know what sort of person is. I just want to stick my hands in people's mouths and yank their teeth out. No, you're absolutely right. It is high stress. And to be honest, I really didn't realize how stressful or or how much pressure I would feel until I was in the thick of it just a few years ago, finding myself burnt out. But statistically, it is one of the careers with the highest suicide rate. I didn't look at those statistics going into this profession. I actually think I was in eighth grade when I decided I wanted to be a dentist. And at that time, I imagined it as a glamorous job. I remember I even wrote a paper spa dentistry. You can get a massage and get your nails done while you're getting your teeth cleaned and you're relaxed, right? Maybe you're covered in a warm blanket and listening to barnyard language podcast. So <laughs> I will I'd admit, sign up for that. <laughs> my dentist doesn't if offer my those dentist, services though. <laughs> like had their office out at a farm so I could have a heated blanket and play with a goat kid while they did my teeth. I'd be there like no problem. I feel like right. you guys are really underutilizing your opportunities yeah. here. Yeah, there's uh, actually an orthodontist office in this state that capitalizes on that. They have a farm experience there. And I, I love it. Seems like a good way to bribe your kids into going to the dentist too. Yeah, right. Just kind of. Yeah, I'm really grateful that there are dentists. Don't get me wrong. I just, it, it always interests me when people take jobs like that that are just not. I don't know. It seems like a yeah, lot of folks I mean, want to go to medical school or be vets or whatever, but you don't hear a lot of folks being dentists, although three of yeah, my high school I, friends did. So who knows? I look back and I don't know, I've met a lot of dentists and I've heard a lot of their answers. So I feel like it's a little, my answer is a little cliche, but I guess I didn't have the best oral hygiene. I actually had really crooked teeth growing up and I was made fun of it for when I was younger. And I, my senior year of high school. So in eighth grade, I remember thinking, we'll go back, man, I want to be a dentist. I don't want kids to go through what I'm going through. I wrote the paper. My senior year, I went to medical assisting. I became a certified medical assistant. And through that program, they let me go shadow dental assistants because I was interested in that field. Well, all the while my senior year, I worked with a free clinic in my community called the Susan Duhoff Clinic. And there was a little old nun, just mean as tar, so mean, but she was like straightforward, like Ariel, you need to get your life together, make sure that you make something of yourself. And I told her I really wanted braces. I'll work, what can I do to get braces? So I worked with her, she helped me pay 
for part of my braces and she really pushed me to go to dental hygiene school. So my undergrad degree, I was actually a registered dental hygienist for the first four years of my education was all around dentistry. And again, at that time, I love teeth. I got a tattoo of a tooth on my body, right? Very passionate about the career that I chose. And then I worked for a year as a dental hygienist, went to dental school, still very passionate. Really, I hit a wall probably maybe about two years ago where I started just probably around COVID. I think every dentist could probably say, wow, it was like an enlightening time. I was blessed where I work to still have a paycheck. A lot of my colleagues in private practice, they had to shut down. It it was very hard for them, but I still got to go and do telehealth visits and collect my paycheck. So I was lucky in that sense, but there's still a lot of pressure in the profession. And there's still, when you go walk into a room and literally every single day, people don't listen to you. And then they tell you that they hate you. It gets really tough. Just today, I were I actually on Thursdays, I work at our school-based health location and I see kids all day long. I do exams and cleanings and sometimes some restorative work if they can't make it to the office. Every single kid, and this is not a, 100% of the kids I saw today had terrible oral oh. hygiene. I hadn't thought of that. The fact that so many people come in and are like, oh, I hate coming here. <laughs> like that over time, it'd be like, because I don't mind the dentist myself, but I know like my mom grew up and had terrible teeth. And in the time of like terrible dentistry, like their dentist was didn't use drugs and was rough. And like she and all of her sisters have like dentist phobia because their dentist was so bad, but they lived in a rural area and that was the only option. And they didn't have much money. There weren't really, they probably had to cut corners there too, I'm guessing. Yeah. As someone who also grew up in a rural area with a single parent and didn't have access to great dental care as a kid, and I will admit I'm really self-conscious about my teeth, and especially after having two kids back-to-back in the morning sickness with that, my teeth have just gone to hell. How do we get back into having better teeth once they've already gone to hell. It seems like teeth are one of those things that if you're, I had no idea how much of a blessing having good teeth was until I didn't. And it's, I don't even mind the dentist, but it's real hard to get motivated to go in knowing that you're going to get a bunch of work done. And I guess I don't even know what the options are for making your teeth look better after they're healthy. Yeah. Cosmetically, you, when you're to a certain point, you start talking about needing crowns or veneers, if there's stains or areas that you don't like the way they look. But really, a lot of it is if you care, which it sounds like you do. So if you're going to put in the effort, and you're going to take care of them, that's half the battle is having someone who at home is going to do their job too, which flossing you guys message me we're gonna floss while you when you get back flossing and brushing twice a day and mostly diet diet is huge being mindful of what you're putting in your body and I think farmers homesteaders people with the I guess I want to say the mentality that I feel like we share understand that you have to be careful of what you're putting in your body and that's why we grow our own food raw milk is a wonderful thing. And we need to get back to that. We need to get back to drinking raw milk and to having that veggie fruit meat 
diet. What gets us is the sugars, the refined car and loves his biscuits, but you got to be careful. <laughs> the look on his face there is priceless. <laughs> Those carbs break down very quickly and cause cavities. But like I was saying, today was just a defeating day for me at the school because 100% of the kids that I saw today, I, I usually have the kids, I start off the appointment, I have them brush their teeth as they would at home. And I watch them and I say, okay, brush, I'd like you to brush for at least two minutes or how you would at home, have them do that and sit in the chair. And every single kid, it was like five seconds done. Okay, I'm done. So I sit them down, I get the mirror out, I have them look and see where they're missing. I teach them the correct way to do it. And they just have zero care. And I'm like, listen, underneath all of this cheese you're leaving on your teeth, your tooth is breaking down. Our teeth are the hardest substance in our body. And the sugar and the bacteria are having a party on your teeth right now and breaking down that strong enamel of yours. And they're going to form holes. They're going to have holes in your teeth. And you're so young. And I'll even try to use scare tactics to, so with some of these older kids because I'm like, how do I get through to them? The most upsetting today was an 18 year old who 17 and he's getting ready to turn 18. And he said, when I turn 18, I'm never coming back. So don't worry about that. And I learned a new term today. Oh, it's it'll buff. Have you ladies heard this yet? It'll buff. And I said, what does that mean? He's it'll be okay. It'll buff. And I'm like, you have impacted third molars. You have six cavities. You have terrible hygiene. It won't buff. You're going to come to me when you're 30 swollen and want me to help you when you're in pain. So it can be very defeating. And I'm trying really to get into the schools, especially the grade schools to work with kids and start getting them to understand and educate the importance of routine and hygiene. But that's probably the most defeating part of my job. We got three boys. I feel that our three boys are very pretty good, actually, on their hygiene. For one that's 15 and 11 and 10, they're doing pretty daggone good, in my opinion. That's because they live with me. That's good, though. <laughs> At least we're enforcing that and getting right. them to understand. That's true. At that point, the Ben said, a lot of parents, they'll be like, oh, I can't make them brush. I mean, I had a 14-year-old today with a huge snuff pouch. And I'm like, do your parents know that you're using smokeless tobacco? Yeah, they don't like it. Well, okay, so they know you, you're using smokeless tobacco. They probably know you're not brushing your teeth and you're drinking Mountain Dew, but they do nothing. It's like parents need to start. It's because the parents do the same thing, probably. Yeah, they need to knock it off and yeah. slap some At least sense care into a little them. bit more about their kids to try to do something like that to get them better educated instead of being that that's exactly it the key word here is education and that's what i try to do with everybody is educate from three to 103 is just educate i'll admit that my teeth are feeling grosser and grosser the longer we're on yeah. this call i'm really wishing i had brushed my teeth before we started i this. think yeah. yeah, we're definitely going to brush, go brush and floss. So as soon as I we will get admit, yeah. oh, sorry, Arlene, I switched myself to a toothbrush that has a, an automatic shutoff timer. And I am astounded at how much longer two minutes really is than you would anticipate. I'm going to, I don't know what it's, I don't know what Canada is like, Arlene, but 
What the fuck is the deal with dental care not being covered by medical insurance? Are your teeth not part of your body? I, this just blows my mind that dental care is not covered by medical insurance. Because I'll tell you, as someone who had an emergency root canal when it abscessed up into my sinuses, that sure as shit is a medical problem. I mean, that's not you a... Get started on politics. Only get you started on the corner that involves dental care. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I will say, Katie, you said you don't know much about Canada, but they're talking about a national dental plan. But at this point, even though we have universal health care, it doesn't cover dentistry. So yeah, same thing. They're an integral part of your body. And I don't know at what point they decided that it, they didn't count, <laughs> but even under universal health insurance, dentistry isn't covered. Yeah. As, and as like we're farmers and don't have supplemental health insurance. Yeah. So we pay for dentistry out of pocket and there's probably lots of people who just can't afford it. I'm sure that you see that all the time, Ariel. People who, the people who do care and need the help can't, can't always access yeah, the services that Yeah, well, that's one that thing that need. I love about where I work is it's based off of income. Patients will pay as little as $25 per visit and anything I get done within that visit is $25. So if I do a whole quadrant, a whole side of your mouth, all those fillings, $25. And even the $25 is tough for some people. So we do have different programs for payment plans. And even at the end of the year, they can submit to have whatever their bill is exonerated. So for me, that's huge, especially coming from a heart of service is in private practice. I've talked to Ben before. I feel that I'd be a poor dentist because I feel for people. Katie, like I, like you said, I came from a single parent home, lower income. My heart is helping people of lower income. And that's why I love the position I'm in. There's a lot of challenges not being necessarily my own boss, but I really am able to help people here through grant funding and through our sliding scale fee. So I'm going to go ahead and just have a little therapy session here. Sorry, Arlene. As someone who, yeah, grew up just as a kid, it was okay, but getting older and not having any insurance, just going to whatever dentist I could whenever I could make it happen. And now being in the position of having good insurance, but having had a run-in with a judgy dentist, how do we get past that? Because I'll admit I'm really putting off my next appointment because I just don't want to hear about it. And Find I, a new one. You're not at the right one. It's so. the problem with rural areas. We have, I think yeah. we have two dentists' office, but yeah. It's... Yeah. Have you tried the other one? <laughs> Gonna have to. Yeah. Just... I try to be for everybody, but even for me, I don't, I know that I'm not necessarily for everybody. I'm somebody who over explains everything. If you come into my operatory, I'm probably going to be showing you x rays. You may not understand them, but I'm going to try to make you understand them. <laughs> I'm going to be telling you every treatment from do nothing all the way up to sell a kidney. And that's not for everybody. And I've been told by some people, I don't want to hear that. Just do what you got to do. You're the doctor, just do it. That I may be the one who helps with the decision-making process, but ultimately it's your decision. I give you all of the tools and all of the information to be informed and to decide your own treatment option. Now, will I try to guide you in what I think may be the best option? Yes. But one of my favorite things to say in the office is, I don't have a crystal ball. I don't know if this is going to work. This is just what I recommend. And 
This is what I can do to help you afford it. So I would say if you're not feeling heard, if you're not feeling comfortable, and I know you're in a rural area, but maybe give the other guy a try or even put your foot down with he or she and say, listen, I'm coming in here and I'm feeling a little judged. Like I'm uncomfortable. Just say it. Cause that's what I'd want you to do with me. If you, if I ever made anybody feel uncomfortable, I wouldn't want to say Ariel, I'm sorry, but you made me feel uncomfortable today. I wouldn't, I would not do that if I was her. I would not. What? Tell me that. That's like sending Vic back at the daggone restaurant. No, that is not. I'm telling you what, you're able to get, it's hard to tell what you're getting into. But hopefully if they spit in my mouth the way they'd spit in my food, I'm going to notice that one. That is not true with me. Arlene, oh. if you need me, I'm going to be going to West Virginia to have Ariel work on my teeth. It's probably well, more cost effective. Yeah, you want to come down, do a farm stay. Our sliding scale fee is, it doesn't matter if you're in West Virginia, Alaska, or anything. Learned this within the last couple of years. Whatever your income sliding fee is, we accept everybody. The problem is right now, as you can imagine, I'm the only one. So I'm booking sure. way out. And I have a cap on new patients right now. Unfortunately, I'm trying to keep it local for new patients until I can find some help. There used to be three dentists here and one went to work in the federal prison and one went to open up a denture shop. And for the past two years, more or less, it's just been me. It's been tough. Arlene, I'm going to add one more question. As someone who's also dealing with a small town doctor who's in the same position, how do you deal with the stress and the pressure of knowing that if you're working your 40 hours, there's probably folks that aren't getting seen, but also you can't work 90 hours a week to not end up with other serious problems. So it's. Yeah. So a lot of it is trying to triage patients, put them in a priority. And I'll be honest, I've had a couple newer patients that I've had that have had mouthful of decay that I'm telling them that, hey, I don't want to send you somewhere else, but if I don't start seeing you like tomorrow, we're going to be in trouble. So I try to find them another dental home that is affordable. We do have a dental office about 25 minutes from here in one direction and 30 minutes in another direction. So that's not terrible. And then as rural as we are, it's about an hour and a half to anything. So if we want to go to Sam's club or to the city, it's about an hour and a half. And that's where everybody goes for everything. So if I have to refer out to an oral surgeon, for example, for patients to be sedated, they already know, Hey, I'm going to have to go an hour and a half. So it's not a big sticker shock for people to try to get them their foot in the door somewhere else. So for those of us who might have kids who are nervous about going to the dentist, whether that's the first time or maybe their first time, first or second time didn't go all that when they've gotten into that cycle of being nervous about going to the dentist, do you have any tips for how to help our little people get used to it and be comfortable so that you can do your job and that they can have a good yeah, experience so too. With kids, I don't want to blame the parents, but I'd say a lot of it does fall back on the parent. Kids, they really often get nervous because of how their parents act or react for the experience. One of the best tips that I have is to start bringing your kids in every six months as soon as their first tooth pops in. And 
some people might say, oh, that's overkill. They're not going to get a cavity on that lower tooth. But a lot of it is that routine of bringing them into the office and letting someone stick their fingers in their mouth and put a little toothbrush in there and just get them used to that appointment and have them realize that we're not going to be causing pain and we're going to have fun. As far as getting them in there too, then you're able to talk to the parent at that age. As soon as those teeth pop in, you're able to talk cavity prevention. You're able to talk diet and educate the parent. So a kid that might come in that's already nervous, maybe they're five or six. For me, I really try to build trust with them and I try to make the appointments short. I try to talk to them about every little thing I'm doing. I let them touch things. I show them on my finger what I'm doing and I just talk them through the whole appointment. To be honest, I think I have most of the kids in the county convinced that I'm a mermaid tooth fairy. Most of them are pretty excited to come see me and get stickers and prizes. And But there is that small group of kids too that I do have to send off to pediatric dentists because I don't have sedation and I don't have nitrous here to make some of those antsy kids a little bit more comfortable. And I hate sending them off, but I'm someone that I don't want to make the dental experience a bad experience ever. I'm not going to hold them down. I'm not going to scare them. The minute they start feeling terrified or uncomfortable, we're going to slow down. We're going to back up. And because there's the, that's just me. I've met dentists. I've shadowed dentists that they see, okay, we got a papoose and we got to hold them down. We got to do our job right now. I'm on the other spectrum. Okay. We're going to paint. I don't know how you ladies feel about fluoride, but I'm not a huge fluoride fan, but we do use a lot of what's called silver diamine fluoride in our office. And it stains the tooth kind of dark. It's, it's really an older treatment and it's, become more new age, but I'm like the Oprah Winfrey of that with kids because it buys us so much time with cavities. I can apply that on their teeth, a little bit of paint, it'll stain it, make it look ugly, but that'll buy us all the time in the world we need to get that kid used to me and used to the office. So hopefully I can do treatment for them. I will say my kids are four and five. So they're quite a bit younger than most of Arlene's kids. We're incredibly lucky to have a great pediatric dentist office in town. And we did start the minute that first tooth came through. Good. Her daughter was 10 months old. And yeah, it does feel ridiculous to take them to the dentist when they've got like a 16th of an inch of one tooth. I will say the, the biggest thing we did is we look for tooth monkeys. So they got to open their mouth real wide. And I have been known to wear a headlamp to investigate for tooth monkeys. And we look for ear <laughs> monkeys too, but it does help for getting them to sit still. So what do we, how do we help adults who don't like the dentist? So adults, part of me wants to say, suck it up buttercup, but that's not me either. <laughs> but really at the same time, same thing I mentioned for kids. Adults aren't much different as far as slowing down, building trust, educating. Like I told you earlier, I'll show x-rays. I'll explain things probably in more detail than what most want to hear and try to build trust by giving detailed treatment options. Again, we, I don't have the sedation option, but we could work with the primary care physician to see if anxiety medication might be an option to where they could take like a Xanax, Ativan for the appointment if necessary. It's important to make those appointments short, easy, and as painless as possible. Pain, as painless as 
possible, especially the first few. So I get them used to me, but that's usually what works in my favor, short, painless, and out of van if necessary. I just don't get it. Cause I know I worked with a guy who's like, ah, if I need a got a tooth that's bothering me, so I'll just have somebody just tell them to pull it out, pull it out, just get rid of it. And we're like, if you want to enjoy a good juicy steak or something like that, and you can't even chew the dang one thing up. And I said, well, I suppose I can chew it up and we can baby bird it, feed it to you that way. Well, that's one thing here you'll find. you. Everybody just wants to pull it. Yeah, and they'll pull them themselves. I can't tell you I've had men come in the office, women come in the office. Oh, I've pulled my own teeth before. I couldn't get this one out. I need your help getting this one out. And that's a real thing in rural America. People are doing DIY dentistry. I've seen JB welded dentures trying to be relined in their dentures. I've seen people fill in their own cavities. And part of me understands because we're DIY people ourselves here on, on the farm and money is important, especially when it's tight. But I always, again, when I they walk through my door, I try to educate them on that. And the crazy part is a lot of these people, I'm the first type of doctor they ever see. I can't tell you how many people I've seen in this county. They've never seen a doctor a day in their life. And I go, they want me to pull a tooth because they couldn't get it out themselves. This happens all the time. And I'll take their blood pressure and it'll be through the roof. And I'm like, sorry, you're going to stroke out. No, your blood pressure. I want you to go over to the ER right now because your blood pressure is so high. I can't pull a tooth on you. And it's one of those things where I have to say, okay, do I go ahead and pull his tooth and risk him having an issue? Cause he's probably going to walk out and never come back. Cause I'm going to make him mad. <laughs> but that's another luxury of where I work is the hospital is right there. So if I have to call a code or if I have a medical emergency, I do have ER staff and they life flight people out from here on a regular basis, sadly. I think we now have a good idea of why being a dentist is so stressful. Everybody hates you and most of them are trying to die in your office. Sounds great. Right. But you get to come home to animals and that helps. Yeah, the animals are huge. And that, that's what that's was therapy. a big turning point in me being so burnt out. I was bringing it all home for the longest time and I'd come home and I'd be like, I need a glass of wine. I just, I'd be so upset and I'd bring it home and once we started really getting more into the chickens and the ducks and the goats and the guineas and all the livestock and everything, I'd come home and I'd just go to the barn and I'd be like, okay, I'm going to pet my goats, talk to my goats, feed my goats. And it's just, it takes off so much stress. I recommend anybody, even if you're in a city and you can have two chickens, get you a couple, get you a rabbit. I don't know. And Lolly, our therapy dog. Your therapy, That's my dog, of Yeah, there's something about being around animals, isn't there? About, yeah, putting your a little bit outside of yourself, too. So one last hard-hitting <clears throat> dental question. The tooth fairy. What's your approach? Well, yes. <laughs> do you do the tooth fairy? Um, but I think I mentioned earlier, so <laughs> I am the tooth fairy, right? I have a lot of the kids believe I'm the tooth fairy. Yes. Uh, I went and did a presentation at a preschool one time and I wore some shoes where they could see the tooth on my foot and I was dressed as a tooth fairy and she said, I know you're the real tooth fairy because you have that tooth on your foot. So you have to be the real tooth fairy. And I said, yep, but we do the tooth fairy. They know it's, I feel they know it's me because I pull my 
I've pulled Marky's, our youngest son's, I think probably the last five or six of his teeth in the office because he refuses to get them out on his own. But they get a couple bucks under their pillow and I save every one of the teeth in a weird tooth bank shrine. Sometimes too fair to like though. Yeah. She's late some a lot of the time. <laughs> yeah. The, same. I don't know if it's you or a different tooth fairy in my house, but oh man, even the reminders on my phone don't always don't always work. So I have to admit, my, my daughter has lost two teeth now and the one I'm pretty sure she swallowed. The other one got dropped somewhere and I think maybe the dog ate it. She hasn't <laughs> noticed yet that the tooth fairy never showed up. So talk real quiet so she doesn't hear me. We have a regional public radio show that has Santa and Mrs. Claus on at Christmas and kids call in. Have you ever thought about doing that with the tooth fairy? I was kidding when I thought about it, but now if my kid could talk to the tooth fairy, I bet she'd explode with excitement because she loves the dentist. Yeah, that's such a good idea. I would love to do that. Arlene, we should do a special episode. Then you can remember. Yeah, and you can remind them to to take care of the teeth that yeah, are still in their mouths. Yeah, you bring me back. I'll get the suit. I'll it. dress up, and we'll take kids' questions. That I'm would not be even hilarious. kidding. This would be an awesome idea. <laughs> yeah, perfect. it would be so fun. Oh, I love that it. That would be very cute. Oh, All right, man. Ben, you're back oh, in. Sorry. No more tooth questions. So, since we're both a parenting and ag podcast, we're always interested in how families are incorporating the farm and family life together. Now, you already said that your kids hate it some of the time, but what is one of your biggest joys when it comes to raising kids around livestock and on the farm? My biggest joy is just teaching the, the boys. There's a lot of kids out there nowadays that just don't, they don't understand. They don't go out and do the things that we do. I'll take my my oldest son out and we'll go bust firewood and stuff like that. And it's just, there's a lot of kids don't even know anything about that kind of stuff. Or some of them don't even know how they get heat in their homes. And I'll go out there and I'll tear down a truck. And I'll try to teach the boys about oil changes and working on them and what this does and that does and hopefully give them some kind of idea later on in life. Dad told me this, dad told me that. So that's kind of stuff that our country needs. And I think everybody needs to teach your kids that kind of thing anymore. I'll just, I'll tell you just from this past summer, one of the biggest joys when you bring that word up joy in farming was seeing them out there picking up the potatoes and look at this one. Who can find the biggest one or who can find the silliest one? Loading them all back on the truck and just getting on the back of the truck and just being so proud of the potatoes and seeing them out there get the harvest. And that's really rewarding, I think. Just on the back of the farm truck, they enjoy that, just riding. Just being country kids. That's what it's about, in my opinion. That's what I enjoy the most. Yeah. One of my kids, the last few parties, one of the things he's requested and his friends look forward to when we did wagon rides when they were littler. And then the last couple of years, my husband will just put them all in the back of the pickup and run them around the field a few times, like the biggest attraction. Okay. Country birthday parties. So I got an old flatbed truck and we put a bunch of potatoes in the sacks and we were hauling them to the barn and it's probably about five, 600 yards away. And those boys wouldn't ride in the truck. They all had to jump up on the sacks and the old flatbed. And we're just, we were just cruising up through the meadow nice and easy. And they were just loving life, just having a good time. Playing in creeks, playing in the creeks down at the other farm. Oh, yeah. I love watching them look for crawdads and crawdad hunt. They Last summer, they wanted to get enough to do a boil and eat them. (laughs) And 
was like, okay. Whatever, we never got that. around to it. I don't know why. I don't think they ever got enough to amount for much. But yeah, I think next summer will probably be the same thing. We're going to have to have a crawdad boil. Let them experiment. Yeah, see yeah. how many it takes to fill them up. Ah, I just totally lost track where we were. What are some of the things you're struggling with your kids on the farm at this? Chores. <laughs> yeah, I think this is probably every parent yeah. in America today is the kids, their priorities are video games. They want to be watching their YouTubers or they want to be on plugged in playing a game. And we don't have television here. We have TVs, but we don't have, what is that? Like a satellite or we have like netflix yeah we have netflix and that's it and they do have tablets but we really try to limit it to a very short short window when they're here and i think that's our biggest struggle is they'll make i don't like to use the word slave but they'll make the comment you treat us like slaves (laughs) like no we're trying to teach you all the free labor is great thank you but we're trying to teach you all what's important in life and running up there and having your brain sucked out by whatever you're doing on something the internet that's fake and versus yeah. something that's real like the one of our boys would be like oh i killed something on this hunting game or i mm. caught this and men will be like let's do that in real life because that's not the same yeah i hear you all the screens. So we ask this question sometimes of people because I think it helps us to reflect on this, the ages and the stage that we're in the present moment. So one of the questions we like to ask is what your, what is your favorite thing about the ages that your kids are at right now? I'm nervous on my oldest son. He's 15 and he's getting ready to start driving. It's fun for me because I think I'm hoping he'll be a good driver and be able to like say, just go get something for me or that. I think that'll be fun. Same time, I'm also I scared mean, to death. From kids, though, I feel like I'm not too worried about them driving. All of them are already driving on the side by sides, and like we we've got a go kart for them. So I'm I feel like that I'm not too concerned about the oldest driving. I'm really not. Uh, he did almost kill us once on the side by side, but I think that was partially my fault, though. Yeah, I mean, he started. We were on a gravel hill. I'm talking steep incline and he said Braden why don't you hop in and drive and I said oh honey this probably isn't the best spot it was good we get to the fork in the road where we have to go right or left and he doesn't know which way we're going he's never driven this road and Ben's go left go left we end up going into sideways almost flip God was looking out for us that day that's for sure but those boys will never forget that. I don't think they talk about that story every time we ride that trail. Oh, yeah, every time we're on there, that's where we're about to die. <laughs> but I think for me, it is nerve wracking. I've got a 16 year old and there is something different about like she's driven a tractor and her side by side and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, being beside them, especially while you're in town or you realize the things that maybe you you think that they pick up when you're driving and maybe they're not paying as much attention. That was a stop sign. Did you uh, you see that? (laughs) You know, those, yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah, but I do think that, yeah, farm kids definitely have an advantage because they've at least been behind the wheel. My dad, whenever I was young and growing up, I I cut my teeth on old four speed E2 Ford truck. I mean, he used to let me drive in back roads and that's how I learned how to shift the standard transmission and stuff like that. Even backing and driving a trailer and stuff. I mean, my dad taught me all that just by 
when I was young, 15 years old, I could back a trailer and all that into a garage if I wanted to. That's good to know that. And yeah, I try to incorporate I'm in that my 40s our and kids I still as well. can't do that. I know I said one thing my husband and I already talked about the fact that he's going to teach him to drive because I do not have the, the personality to not give them a complex about it. But That's I realized nice. to teach him to drive on the interstate, it's going to take an hour and some of driving just to find an interstate for them to drive on. But I said, I think that's one thing that country kids miss out on is they don't get experience on anything that's more than maybe four lanes with counting both directions. So we ask all of our guests, if you were going to dominate a category at the county fair, what would it be? And categories can be real or made up to ensure that you win. And you guys well, can each have your own category. You don't need to yeah, so we actually won a blue ribbon at a county fair at our molasses fair. No, should have won. Don't want to should have won the blue ribbon. I, we won a ribbon first place on one of our sweet potatoes. It was a huge sweet potato. It was like we, six and a half pounds sweet potato. Yeah. yeah, we named it Wilson, oh. like the volleyball Wilson from that it was movie. As big as a football. It's huge. It was humongous. And Ben's dad drove around with this thing everywhere. He <laughs> took that thing everywhere with him. <laughs> And showed it to the Proud guy. Is it, it was it, yeah. it was his favorite <laughs> so grandchild for a while. Wilson because he'd hold it out the window at the hardware <laughs> store and at the, like showing everybody, look at this sweet potato. So we ended up, we won blue ribbon for that. But Ben makes the best sweet potato pie I've ever had in my life. So I, and he, I think he should win that, should win that. And of course, maybe something goat related, like cutest goat. And count in the county. Can we Definitely. get a picture of the sweet potato for our yes. uh, oh, social I, media? I, have to, I actually have one on <laughs> yeah. Instagram where I'm like, yeah, office for a checkup too. And I was like, fake suctioning is a oh, little cute. Look, I'm California raisin. <laughs> in all fairness, six and a half pounds is a baby. Swaddle that bad boy up. Yeah. Now, did Wilson get turned into a pie or something else? No, we. He, ben cut it and we what did you do you ended up growing. i actually made some slips off of it yeah. for this year for my garden but the deer like oh, wreaked okay, havoc yeah. on them yeah we got some little pitiful baby wilson's <laughs> yeah i was trying to decide if you could taxidermy a sweet potato yeah. but i don't think it'd work <laughs> maybe i don't know yeah so I guess we will move. Actually, you know what? I'm going to loop back. So you talked about your favorite, the favorite thing about your oldest. I don't want to leave any kids out. What about well, the other two? Right What's now, Marky and Avery, right they're now? 10 and 11. So they're super they're close. They're both in a musician. Or both One's playing. Yeah, they're into guitar and piano. guitar and Mark is in the piano. So they have little jam sessions. That's cute. And But my absolute favorite thing that they're doing right now is they want to do survival, um, survival missions, which we already are survivors I feel but they want to go out there and set up a tent and make their own fire and they want hatchets and their knives and they want to go out there and just handle it themselves they all do, night they long. really good up until dark yeah I think we want to go back inside <laughs> Look <at> dark world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. deer or something else best kids <laughs> yeah but I'm enjoying that right yeah. now with them because they're still real loving and sweet to me but they're also super adventurous and playful so i'm gonna miss that i think a lot of times yeah, the biggest part fine. of self-sufficiency is knowing when to ask for help and knowing your limits so it's yeah. a good thing to teach them depend on your community there you go and yeah. make right sure and it's never too far <laughs> yeah 
So I guess we'll move into our cussing and discussing segment. If listeners want to send in their own cussing and discussing entries, they can call our or leave a message on our SpeakPipe website. Go to speakpipe.com backslash barnyard language and you can leave us a voice memo and we'll play it on the show. Or you can always send us an email and then we will read it out for you. Katie, what are you cussing and discussing this week? I have no idea, Arlene. Do you want to loop back around to me? I got, I just ran out. I don't know. Okay, I will just, start. That. I'm done. <laughs> you ran out. So mine was, I can't remember if I've done this one before, but we're into our second season, so it's possible, but this is the right episode for it. So I'm going to say that kids have so many teeth and I have four kids. So if you start the tooth fairy thing, it just goes on forever. And like you said, Ariel, sometimes you forget or we've actually started like the tooth just gets left in the kitchen now rather than the bedroom because there was it was then it's like you have to stay up late enough to make sure that they're asleep or we go out and milk early but then I don't always remember to sneak in there before they wake up in the morning so it's okay now the tooth just gets left on the kitchen counter and I still have to try and remember to actually do the tooth fairy thing so yeah it's just the quantity of teeth and starting a tradition like the tooth fairy means that you have to continue it with many children yeah yeah so with the with that if you forget you just tell them say it's kind of like with santa we tell the kids we told the kids they already know we work with santa we're santa's helpers some and mommy gets busy we gotta milk and we stay up late and you just tell them say you the tooth fairy will get here i'll help her out when i can i actually know the tooth fairy she lives in west virginia we're gonna call her next week yeah she had a busy night they're kidding <laughs> they got goats just right. give her, you just write down all night. your I'm questions sure to, for her we're gonna give her a call katie in a couple weeks and we'll see what she says <laughs> yeah that's right yeah we'll check in yeah do you guys have anything you want to cuss or discuss and this can be anything i could cuss all night about worrying about winter probably that's been real stressful for us for yeah for me because I'm the one who stresses. Ben, Ben, he goes, Ben lays down and he goes to bed like a baby. I lay here and I'm like, oh, our dog's barking or, oh, I heard somebody upstairs with the feet going. And then at night I'll be laying here worrying, are the ducks up or is it, are the goats okay? Or do I hear coyotes? So in the winter time, I get extra stressed. Is everybody warm enough? Do they have enough? Have they ate enough? Is the water okay? And Ben, he just. I said it'll all be all right goes right the only that. thing i'm worried about right now is deer season so i'm sitting here all fretting around about oh yeah he's in rut about. ben's in rut right now how many deer did you say took out your vegetable patch how many how many tags do you get what's your... i don't worry about tags as long as you're eating them we don't care that's yes. right <laughs> <laughs> yeah but i did katie and it's even tooth related <laughs> all right <laughs> i had oh, there you go no idea how long it takes a tooth to go from starting to be wiggly to actually falling out. And I had no idea how horrified, grossed out and stressed out I would be through that entire time. The <laughs> Watching that dangle on the last piece of skin. Oh, yeah. that's the worst. And just every day I have to check my kid's mouth to see if her tooth fell out because she's not bothered by it at all and she won't mention it she's just i'll go to brush her teeth and be like hey there's a tooth missing and she's like okay, whatever <laughs> it just i don't know why it just bleh. 
Yeah, so I have a confession with one of ours. He had a real wiggly one on the bottom, the first one to go. And I got excited because it's his first one. And I'm like, I want to be here when this happens. So I'm like, it's wiggly enough. Let's just put a little topical jelly on it. The mom got from the office and let's get it out of there. So it was probably a little too soon. <laughs> I could have probably let him wait a little while. <laughs> but I got excited to get that first one out of there. And he did fine, but... Yeah. So I get excited. And now he gets to the point, I think I'm the problem where he wants me to take him out now for him. He doesn't even want to wiggle him out, but we only have two left. Yeah. Yeah. He only has two baby teeth left now. And I think I might need a week long sabbatical and lots of tissues for when he loses the last one. I read a really creepy mystery novel a couple of years ago that involved tooth collecting. So I will send you the title and you can read that and you really get through the the whole process anyway yeah yeah. that sounds creepy several years ago and i'm still thinking about it yeah yeah thank you both for joining us tonight if people want to find you online and see pictures of wilson and your uh, lovely goats so uh, we are on instagram at dental underscore goat we do have a website that's under construction it's www.toothacres.com or I think it's toothacresfarm.com. Okay. I think that's what it, toothacresfarm.com. I'm, yeah, I was probably not so. too and many. And then uh, we are going to launch a toothacres farm Instagram for more of our products that we're making. We didn't talk a whole lot about that, but Ben and I are working on selling a few farm made products and that starting small, as you can imagine, because we work a lot, but our, and your plan is to hopefully do a little bit more of a side of what our side business is and work less. Dental at Dental Goat, find us Tooth Acres Farm, West Virginia, and connect with us. We love that. That would be great. What kind of stuff well, do you start? Well, I actually make a tooth powder, kind of controversial in the dental world, but instead of toothpaste, it's a powder and it doesn't have a fluoride in it, but it has minerals and other natural ingredients that are really kind to the oral environment. We still use some toothpaste in our home, but the kids like tooth powder. We like tooth powder as like an in-between alternative. We also have a dirty goat farm hand soap with it's a shungite goat milk soap so yeah ben gets he has really rough hands and i'm sure you guys know with your husbands and yourselves that our hands take a beating so i don't make a lot of soaps but i make one (laughs) then the dirty goat farm hand soap we also we've played around with some breath spray and some face wash and i make a sweet mint lip repair lip balm ben he wants to sell some honey eventually and he makes some woodworking products. I don't know if you could see behind us those honeycomb shaped little stands there. This side, Ben made those for me. He's yeah. a wonderful crafter. But selling things online is tough. As I don't know if you all do any of that, but with shipping, especially today, it's tough. So we want to get to the point where we can go to more shows. We also like to make onion powder, like from our farm, onion powder. We do a ramp salts we love ramps i don't know if that's in your area but ramp salt dehydrated ramps onion powder things just small seasoning things too yeah very cool and i thought katie was going to say it earlier but she 
when I first was communicating with you guys, she thought you were a dentist for goats. So she was a little disappointed when we, she learned that you I, were a, I actually a dentist, had a bit but... of a flashback when I thought you were a dentist for goats. I interned with a, a goat dairy and cheese making operation and got bitten by a goat one time collecting cud to bolus a goat that had been sick and had been treated with antibiotics because the cud is full of good healthy bacteria and that and so I stuck my finger in her mouth to collect it and found out exactly how sharp a goat's back molars are and it yeah. turns out that if you eat grass all day and spend the rest of your time grinding your teeth because you're evil your teeth get real damn sharp <laughs> and yeah. I, seriously I've been bitten by dogs it wasn't as bad as getting bitten by that goat and she wasn't even trying yeah two thumbs down on that that would be a whole different really career path <laughs> Yeah. Thank you both so much for joining us. It was great to meet you and we're excited to yes, uh, talk to please, the Yes, please. If you want to do that, time. reach out. I'd have a blast. <laughs> I think we should. It'd be a good time. Yeah. Those kids are going to be asking you about the money and how's going to never come. I'll have great <laughs> answers. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Why did my well, friend get $5? I only got one. I'll have good answers. <laughs> it turns out if you brush your teeth better and keep your teeth in better shape, the oh, tooth fairy yeah. brings Maybe. you more money. Yeah. <laughs> All oh, the money your parents save not getting your teeth filled. That's right. There you go. <laughs> Thank you, All ladies, right. so much. We had a Thank great you. time. We really appreciate Thanks. you. We loved being a part of this, and we can't wait to listen back and hopefully not feel ridiculous. <laughs> we haven't had anybody complain about it yet, about their own episodes. <laughs> okay, I was like, oh, Nobody's complained about your episode yet either. So <laughs> right. oh, we're doing good. <laughs> yeah, that's right all right Arlene yep. all right yeah you're good Katie cool thank you for joining us today on Barnyard Language if you enjoy the show we encourage you to support us by becoming a patron go to www.patreon.com backslash barnyard language to make a small monthly donation to help cover the costs of making the show please rate and review the podcast and follow the show so you never miss an episode you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok as Barnyard Language. And on Twitter, we are Barnyard Pod. If you'd like to connect with other farming families, you can join our private Barnyard Language Facebook group. We're always in search of future guests for the podcast. If you or someone you know would like to chat with us, get in touch. We are a proud member of the Positively Farming Media Podcast Network.